This is News Source 1 Mikiana. Welcome to your new afternoon and evening edition of News 2 Go. All the news and feature segments to keep you entertained and enlightened. News Nation this hour, I'm Vic Vaughn. Firefighters have evacuated a neighborhood in Laguna Beach, California. They've been battling a brush fire that started just after 4 this morning on a hillside in the Emerald Canyon, just east of the Pacific Highway. All of today's classes and area schools there have been canceled. The 7.5% rise of consumer prices last month was the steepest inflation jump since early 1982. News Nation's Marley Caden. Fuel oil rose the most in January, surging 9.5% as part of a 46.5% year-over-year increase. Energy costs overall are up 27% on the year. Vehicle costs, which have been one of the biggest inflation contributors, are up 12.2% for new models and 40.5% for used vehicles since this time last year. Food prices rose 9% and rent prices are also up. It'll likely trigger how aggressive the Federal Reserve raises interest rates this year. Unemployment has fallen again for third straight week of improving numbers. 16,000 fewer Americans applied last week, down to 223,000. Comedian actor Bob Saget died last month due to a head injury, likely caused by a fall. That's according to the medical examiner in Orange County, Florida. No illegal drugs were found in his system. His body was found inside a room at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando, January 9th. Despite Africa's low vaccination rate, it may be seeing the beginning of the end of its worst phase of the coronavirus pandemic. WHO Regional Director for Africa, Dr. Matt Shadiso Moedi. We're finally able to stay that if the current trends hold, there is light at the end of the tunnel. The continent is on track for controlling the pandemic. From today's news conference in Congo's capital city of Brazzaville, over the past week, cases worldwide have dropped 17 percent. They're down 50 percent in the U.S. NASA's raising concerns about SpaceX's Starlink Gen 2 plan to spread more satellites. This after nearly 40 of its satellites were disabled by a solar flare. News Nation meteorologist Gerard Bailey. Several astronomers are questioning why SpaceX launched the satellites in the first place. The sun's latest outburst happened just five days beforehand. Samantha Lawler, an astronomy professor in Canada, has some advice for SpaceX before the next launch. Look at the space weather forecast and say, oh, maybe we should push our launch back by a couple of days, right? That's something that they could definitely have done. SpaceX says there's zero chance anyone will be in harm's way when the satellites re-enter Earth's atmosphere uncontrolled if they haven't already. NASA says the company's Gen 2 plan could lead to launch delays or even put human spaceflight crews at risk of collision. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and the News Nation Now app. I'm Vic Vaughn. From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Simon Marks. More urgent diplomatic activity is underway across Europe in an effort to defuse tensions over Ukraine. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson says he fears a Russian incursion into Ukraine would be an absolute disaster. And he says the current intelligence is very grim. He held meetings today in Brussels with NATO's Secretary General and then headed to Warsaw for a meeting with his Polish opposite number. Poland is absolutely critical critical to our collective European security. And the the lesson of the last 100 years is that when Poland is threatened with instability or aggression on the borders of Poland, then we are all 
threatened. In Moscow today, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov accused Britain's Foreign Secretary Liz Truss of being unprepared for a meeting on Ukraine. He said it was like talking to a deaf person who listens but cannot hear and again insisted the Kremlin has no plans to invade Ukraine even as it continues to build its troop presence on the border and starts joint military exercises with forces from Belarus. In other news today, annual inflation in the United States has hit a 40-year high. New government data will add pressure on the Federal Reserve to take stronger action to curb price rises. From FSN's business desk in New York, Will Denzelo reports. The Consumer Price Index is a measure of the cost of a basket of everyday items and is a key gauge on inflation. In January, this index ticked up 0.6%, meaning that the cost of these goods is now 7.5% more expensive than a year ago. That's the highest level seen since 1982 and was more than Wall Street analysts had expected. Removing volatile items like gas and groceries, the consumer price index ticked up 6%, slightly more than expected. This inflation surge almost entirely negated the 0.7% jump in hourly wages last month. Analysts expect this CPI figure to prompt the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates aggressively this year. And the European Union today, citing rising inflation across the block, downgraded its growth forecasts for member states. The truckers demanding an end to COVID-19 vaccine mandates and besieging Ottawa could soon see their protest emulated in the United States. The Department of Homeland Security says a similar protest is expected to begin in Los Angeles as early as this weekend and make its way across across the country to Washington, D.C. Former President Donald Trump is denying that he ever flushed government documents down his personal toilet at the White House. The claim is contained in a new book by New York Times correspondent Maggie Haberman, who reports White House engineers were called to clear pipes that became blocked with the documents on several occasions. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks, looking in more detail today at Wednesday's remarkable announcement of a breakthrough in the world of nuclear fusion. Scientists at the Jet Laboratory in Oxfordshire set a new record for the amount of energy they could produce when they squeezed two forms of hydrogen together. Back in 1997, they proved it was possible to create a small amount of energy, but this latest experiment more than doubled the output, generating enough energy in a around five seconds to boil 60 kettles worth of water. It's a small step, but an important one, according to Malcolm Grimstone, a senior research fellow in the energy department at Imperial College London. It's the energy of the universe. It's why we have solar power, is because the sun is a massive fusion reactor. How do you maintain something at that temperature? You can't keep it in anything solid because it would simply touch the sides and lose all its energy immediately. Part of the excitement of the physics is developing what they call magnetic bottles, huge magnetic fields that hold the material in place. And that's been demonstrated at the Joint European Tourist Jet near near Oxford. But uh, yes, anything as exciting as the, the energy for the universe harnessing it on Earth, uh, I'm tempted to say who wouldn't be excited by it? And he reckons nuclear fusion could be commercialised by the year 2050, dramatically expanding the world's access to cost-effective clean energy.
The main news again, more urgent diplomacy continues in Europe. In an effort to defuse tensions over Ukraine, Russia has started joint military exercises with Belarus. Annual inflation in the United States has hit a 40-year high, and Donald Trump is denying that he ever flushed government documents down his personal toilet at the White House. That claim is contained in a new book about his presidency. And that is the latest feature story news. Simon Marks reporting. Here is your National Weather Service forecast. Thursday. A 50% chance of snow showers, mainly before 1pm, mostly cloudy, with a high near 28. West wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Thursday night. Snow likely after 1am, mostly cloudy, with a temperature falling to near 23 by 8pm, then rising to around 31 during the remainder of the night. South wind 10 to 20 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 35 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 60%. New snow accumulation of around an inch possible. Friday. Rain and snow likely before noon, then rain likely between noon and 5 p.m., then a chance of rain and snow after 5 p.m., cloudy, with a high near 38. Southwest wind 15 to 20 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 70%. New snow accumulation of less than a half inch possible. Friday night. A chance of rain and snow before 8 p.m., then a chance of snow and freezing rain between 8 p.m. and 11 p.m., then a chance of snow after 11 p.m., mostly cloudy, with a low around 19. West wind around 15 mph, with gusts as high as 20 mph. Chance of precipitation is 30%. Saturday. A 20% chance of snow before 1 p.m., mostly cloudy, with a high near 22. As licensed foster parents, my wife and I, we have required trainings we must attend. And some of them are quite difficult to sit through, especially the ones on abuse. Do you realize how much harm comes to those who are most vulnerable in our culture? Statistics about sexual abuse, its prevalence never ceases to stagger me. One in four girls, one in six boys are abused sexually in the United States and 90% of these abuses are committed by people they know well. How many folks grow up having never dealt with their childhood trauma and how seductive it can be for them to grow up resentful, to become bitter towards the world, or worse, to try and stuff it down where it just festers, produces depression over time, self-harm, or, or far worse. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church and we are sampling the Psalms. And one value of the Psalms is they provide help for those harmed, providing steps to redefine our trauma, our experience. Let's consider Psalm 59, whose subtitle sets the scene. Saul has sent men to watch David's house in order to kill him. They're waiting for nightfall that they might ambush him. How many deeds are done in darkness? How much harm then to the helpless? Step one. Step one for someone who's experienced this is to name the evil, to describe the perpetrators, the situation, what it felt like. Pull out your highlighter for Psalm 59 and mark out the lines that provide the victim's view. In verse three and four, we find this. See how they lie and wait for me. Fierce men conspire against me for no offense or sin of mine, Lord. I have done no wrong yet they are ready to attack me. 
This is what it is like for some every time the nightfall comes. Verse 6 describes the attackers this way. They return at evening, snarling like dogs, and prowl about the city. Dear one, do you see how the Bible gives us words to describe those evils we face? The enemies, though they're smiling faces during the day, they become salivating savage beasts the moment the sun goes down. It's only a matter of time before they begin prowling. And they leave the innocent victim feeling like they're nothing more than dog food to be chewed up and devoured. And he adds how they speak evil in verse 7. He talks about how words from their lips are sharp as swords. And they think, who can hear us? So often that is the worst part for one abused. The confidence of those who prey on them. They think they can get away with it. But my friend, this is not true because of who God is. Pull out the highlighter again and begin to highlight who God is for us. That's step number two. Four times in this psalm, we read that God is a fortress for his people. The house you're in, that's not the safe place. No, God is our fortress. Only in him are we secure. And who is God for one too weak to stave off attack? Three times in this psalm, we read, God is our strength. You may say, but Joel, God was not my fortress because of what happened. He was not my strength at that moment. My friend, you need the third step. After naming what has happened, step one, and after naming who God is for you, step two, we are to respond in faith to the greater reality. And that is what faith is. Conviction of what is not yet seen. Faith reaches out for God. Verses 9 and 10. This is the turning point. You are my strength. I watch for you. You, God, are my fortress. My God on whom I can rely. This is the turning point. We take our eyes off of our enemy and we set them on God. We begin to watch for God who we can rely on, who will make all things right in the end. And when we begin to see what comes at the end, we can begin to rejoice, even today. The psalm ends with a threefold response of praise. But I will sing of your strength. In the morning, I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praise to you. Do you hear the response of faith, able to praise God? Now, if it helps, you can add a fourth step if you want to mark out what will happen to the enemies. Their time of terror is limited, and the God of the universe is aware of their deeds. He is not apathetic, even as he does give them but a brief season. The fact is, evil, suffering will befall all humans. It even happened to God's own son, Jesus, when he left heaven to come to earth. That's actually why I'm a Christian. Nietzsche may have mocked God on the cross, but I can only worship a God who understands our suffering because he entered right into it and bore shame all the way down as he hung naked upon the cross. And only the glory that came from Jesus' suffering can help us see that God can and will glorify himself in our own suffering right now as we wait in hope on him. And one day, my friend, Jesus will return in glory to make all things right and to wipe away all tears. Until then, we watch for him, longing to see that God is our hope, and that is the mark of the true believer. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to.
United States truck drivers are staging a similar truck driver protest convoy called the U.S. Freedom Convoy, Los Angeles to Washington, D.C. The convoy will even pass through I-70 in Indianapolis. Stay tuned to News Source 1 Michiana on the latest and how commerce is affected. Hi guys, this is Vitaly with AFT Dispatch and A2C Logistics. I wanted to uh, produce this video here for you. We finally got some real updates on the, uh, the Convoy to DC 2022. Uh, this actually comes from Chris Young, the administrator of the People's Convoy Facebook group. And uh, there's actually two messages. They're quite similar, but I wanted to make sure to get both of these read out to you. So the very first one is, uh, as it say, uh, says here, the first of many upcoming announcements. Uh, please plan to attend and it does say, uh, say here truckers and all freedom loving American citizens uh, our brothers and sisters of uh, the highway succeed uh, in opening Canadian uh, Canadians eyes about the unconstitutional mandates and hardships forced onto their people and now it's time for the citizens of the United States of America to unite and demand restoration of our constitutional rights on March 4th 2022 Truckers and all freedom-loving Americans will begin arriving at Coachella Valley in uh, Indio, California to participate in a rally being held the afternoon of March 4th and 5th to defeat the un unconstitutional mandates. In attendance will be the world's top doctors representing the truth about the pandemic and related politics or policies, supportive, uh, supportive police, firefighters, military personnel, Musicians, inspiring journalists, religious leaders, and people from all walks of life gathering to support Convoy Rally. Uh, it's not very well written, unfortunately. We'll prove that the American people are a powerful force. We encourage all to attend this rally and call on the American truckers to do what they say can't be done. Fuel reimbursement upon arrival for all attending this event. The convoy will roll out of California following the rally. Convoy details will be... Uh, forthcoming. United we stand, divided we fall. Hope to see you all in Coachella. Now, there's another uh, post that's a little bit more descriptive. Um, they go hand in hand. Now, this one comes uh, in attention to the American truckers from the convoy organizing team of the People's Convoy. It basically says that our brothers and sisters, uh, truckers, sister truckers succeeded in opening uh, Canada's eyes about the unconstitutional mandates and hardship forced onto our people and now it's time for American truckers to follow their lead to help our country out of tyranny. On March 1st, 2022, truckers will begin traveling to Coachella Valley in Indio, California to participate in a March 4th and March 5th rally to defeat the mandates joined by the world's top doctors registering uh, representing the truth about the pandemic and related policies, supportive police and firefighters, military personnel, musicians, inspiring journalists, religious leaders, and other freedom-loving leaders from around the nation, all gathering to support our convoy and call attention to the shocking treatment of our families. The, the diverse participation will help the nation understand that we're uh, what we're uh, understand we're representing people from all walks of life then in the details section it talks about western truckers to meet at coachella afternoon of the fourth food fuel or funds for fuel will be provided upon arrival travel plans will be provided in advance of march 1st 
depending uh, departure of uh, March 5th and 6th, depending on route. Uh, watch for alerts and notifications for more information. Looking forward to creating a peaceful, positive show of our combined voices for our family and for our family and our people, organizers of the People's Convoy. So there you have it. It begins on the 1st for a rally that will begin on the 4th and 5th, leaving uh, Coachella on the 5th to begin the first uh, part of the route uh, for truckers, uh, basically going from California to uh, to DC. So it's going to be a very long, uh, slow crawl. Uh, be sure to watch some of our other videos that we've presented here. I'll leave little cards throughout the corner. Been very, very popular. Again, thank you guys for all the likes, shares, subscribes, everything you've done. You're getting the word out there. Uh, our channel is already beginning to get shadow banned. We're actually getting subscribers that are being unsubscribed from the channel. Uh, that probably haven't unsubscribed. They're just leaving in droves uh, while more are coming in, which is very, very strange. So if you subscribe to the channel and you find yourself unsubscribed, make sure to hit that subscription button. Make sure you uh, hit the notification bell so you never miss any of our videos. And, uh, you know, definitely share this video out there on Facebook with your friends. Let's get the word out there. A lot of folks uh, in the previous videos have been asking for details about, uh, you know, this convoy and, uh, you know, we, we want to provide you all the details we possibly can. And, uh, you know, this is the latest and greatest of what we saw from uh, basically the people's convoy. So thank you guys for watching. Once again, please share. You guys are a massive uh, power that's behind us. We only have a very small following, a very small subscriber base, a very strong one, but small. So we can't really get this thing out there, but you can help out every time you share. It really spreads like wildfire. So thank you guys for your time. Hopefully this has been helpful. And we'll We'll continue reporting with more uh, videos to come. Thanks so much. Three, two, one. Go, Go Chuckers! Chuckers! <laughs> guys are awesome. Thank you. No News Source 1 Michiana is actively monitoring the Russia-Ukraine border crisis and will keep you informed on the latest developments on our Facebook group. This is a serious global issue to follow. Stay tuned for more. There are a few new rules and regulations coming into season eight that should bring some very exciting changes to Formula E racing. We've got a completely brand new qualifying format. We've got extra power available for the drivers and new time regulations. So there's a few things to get our heads around, but fear not, we've got you covered. Here's what's new for season eight. Gone are the days of having usable energy deducted by the FIA after any stoppages in the race. Because as of this season, season eight, for every full minute behind the safety car or full course yellow flags, 45 seconds will be added to the 45 minute plus one lap that is a Formula E race. Safety car, safety car in this lap, safety car in this lap. Now there's a limit of 10 additional minutes, so any safety cars or full course yellow periods after the 41st minute of the race will not add any additional time. So this is a pretty significant rule change for a number of reasons. The biggest potentially because of what it changes in the team's ability to prepare for a race with their energy management strategy. It's safe to say there will be a level of expectation of extra time being added, but how much is completely unknown until the race is well underway. A green flag race isn't too common in Formula E thanks to the nature of the street circuits that are raced on. In fact, last season, 13 of the 15 races had one or more full course yellow flags or safety cars. 
so teams and drivers will need to run even more scenarios in the simulator for different amounts of extra time added and be able to react and change energy targets and strategies quickly as races evolve. Every percent of energy available can be the difference between victory and falling down the order, and the teams that put the extra prep work in will be greatly rewarded. Ultimately, more racing is only a good thing, because as we've seen in the past, those last moments of a Formula E race often provide lots of drama and action. More time, more moments. Now, if there's one thing that drivers and fans alike want more of, it's power. And luckily for them, there's more to play with in season eight because power in standard race mode has gone up from 200 kilowatts to 220 kilowatts. There's also been an increase in power in attack mode going from 235 kilowatts to 250 kilowatts. Now, you might be thinking it's the same powertrain and batteries from last season. So why wasn't that extra power available then? Well, battery and powertrain hardware and software is constantly being pushed to its limits in Formula E racing. And with every season, developments are made to be able to push them a little further without risk to durability or safety. A great example of how all that data crunching race in, race out turns into developments in performance, which then finds its way into the road cars via the manufacturers and suppliers. Now, extra power is one thing, but battery capacity hasn't changed. So what that means is that teams and drivers will have to be even better at managing their energy during the race, which is what Formula E is all about. Finally, season eight will bring with it a completely new qualifying format. Now, this format's being implemented to allow for the fastest teams and drivers to really showcase their speed and skill, but without losing the ability of any driver in the grid pulling a great lap out of the bag and qualifying high up the order. So how does it work? A group stage will see two groups of 11 drivers, the order of which being dictated by odd and even positions in the Drivers' World Championship. These two groups will then have a 12-minute session at 220 kilowatts to set lap times, with the fastest four from each group progressing into the dual stage. Now, those eight drivers, four from each group, will then face off in the quarterfinals, the fastest in Group A going against the fourth fastest in Group B, the fastest of Group B going against the fourth fastest in Group A, second fastest against third fastest, and so on. Head-to-head -head in a knockout format at 250 kilowatts into the semifinals and on to the final. The winning driver of the final duel takes pole position with the runner-up starting second. Now the rest of the grid will line up as follows. The semi-finalists on the second row in third and fourth, the quarter-finalists filling the spots between fifth and eighth based on their lap times, and looking further down the grid, the drivers who competed in the pole sitter's initial group will fill the odd positions, 9th, 11th, 13th and so on, with the corresponding drivers from the other group making up the even grid slots, 10th, 12th, 14th, all the way up to 22nd and the back of the grid. It's going to be interesting to see how this pans out because in the past, qualifying has been extremely influential on any overall title or championship hopes. And this new format aims to keep things competitive, but also lessen any negative impact of doing well in previous races like we've seen in past seasons. Plus, who doesn't love the idea of driver duels every single race day? Now, the rest of the story. Our ambassador to France was up to something. People around him were not quite sure what, but I can tell you he was looking for a machine, a particular machine. How much of an effort was made to keep his search a secret? Well, 
When he learned the machine was somewhere in Italy, he toured that country privately, unofficially, embarked on a 15-day expedition through Piedmont, Lombardy, and Liguria, turning everything upside down in a quest for that cryptic device. We know the ambassador had quietly, carefully recorded a huge amount of information on Italian culture. We also know that he had literally risked his life in that endeavor by smuggling restricted substances from Italy across the Alps and back into France. And still he had come up empty. Still he had failed to find that curiously important machine. So, frustrated, the ambassador relayed instructions to his personal secretary and confidant, a man named William Short. The secretary, still in Italy, was urgently requested to continue the ambassador's investigation. Well, now it was winter. At the suggestion of an informant, Secretary Short traveled south on Italy's ancient Appian Way. His destination, Naples. There, according to his source, he would discover the elusive device. Well, stating that he was on a special mission for the U.S. government, Short encountered little resistance. And weeks later, the ambassador received the communication for which he had hoped. His secretary had located the long-sought machine. It had been discovered in Naples, as expected. Neapolitans called it the Trophila. Though of smaller diameter than the ambassador had imagined, the thing was enormous. Short's report read, quote, The depth of its mortar is about 20 or 24 inches. The width of the mortar that you desire to know is marked on the mold you will receive. It was left with my banker at Naples to be forwarded to you, end quote. And so did our ambassador to France procure what he had so determinedly sought. And it was promptly shipped to the United States for the ambassador's private use upon his return. I say his private use. In fact, there is no extant record to the effect that anyone in the United States knew what the ambassador was up to. And when he returned home from overseas, he had in his possession a machine like none other in the New World. For many years he used the device to his own benefit, and his family's benefit, all in the decade before the dawn of the 19th century. You see, our ambassador to France, our foreign diplomat who so ardently involved himself in the culture of Italy, the man who made it his quest to secure a certain mysterious device, was to become in 1801 our third president, Thomas Jefferson. And the product he introduced to America the wonderful then anomalous delicacy he brought to us, produced in the press of his mysterious machine. That product can now be found the world over. It's called spaghetti. The Trophila was a spaghetti-making machine. Only now you know the rest of the story. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend, 